Um, I'm pretty sympathetic to being mean to China. I think I think China, China. Have you seen those that YouTube video of Trump saying China like a hundred times? <laughs> no, I love those. those he says videos. it so strangely. He's like China, 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 and it's like all these different speeches. Anyway, yeah. um, I'm I think he's totally off base with like this trade war thing. I think it's like totally bizarre. Um, I'm not endorsing any of the conspiracy sort of stuff I mentioned, but I don't think it's out of character for that country. And I, um, I am okay with these. I, I, I mean, I guess it was a, a good move because it pulled me to the other side that the idea that these companies are like a pinnacle of Western democracy because, um, we are they have censorship issues and there's a lot of stuff related to that Mm -hmm. but you want to talk about censorship issues it's the social networks that come out of china Mm -hmm. we don't want any part in um but in terms of the monopoly sort of scenario um i think it's weird because they're these what's different about these companies one i'm not sure i buy the monopoly argument because Mm -hmm. there are lots of competing platforms but then on top of it they also provide an opportunity for entrepreneurship within their platforms now i think they're really stingy and amazon is a different thing because they're comp- they compete with their own users right so let's just talk about it in a facebook and a youtube regard where um what's way different about that than you know well, let's all, us let's steel also throw, or standard uh, oil let's also throw apple in there because i want to i want to elaborate on why Apple, basically what Apple's involvement with, of, of this was. Right. Um, so basically the argument against Apple is uh, they were questioned about the 30% that they charge people, uh, they, they, they charge app companies to have, to host an app yeah. on their platform. Quite familiar with that. Yeah, and the argument is essentially like, you know, Apple, I guess the argument that would be being made is that Apple is like, pretty much the only platform you know of you know to have a digital app like that besides google and um Mm -hmm. the the larger apple gets um the more and more like it just becomes the standard platform for you to have apps on and so is the charging someone 30 percent just to is it is it is charging someone thirty percent just are they extorting? Hope? Yeah, are they extorting yeah. app companies and app developers and stuff like that? Um, I guess we could you know you can use that to help paint your 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 argument here. Man, these are things that I actually have huge opinions on. I think you should split these into two episodes. Um, <laughs> this is a long listen, and these are also important things. Uh, okay, but anyway, um, the. Um, so I'll, I'll just finish the point on YouTube and Facebook. Okay. Then we'll go to Amazon and, and Apple. But on YouTube and Facebook, um, these are, so this is way different than if we think of like the original antitrust sort of monopoly stuff with um, you know U.S. Steel and Standard Oil and stuff 120 years ago. Um, those companies were putting other companies out of business, and then if you wanted to make money, you had to work for them, mm-hmm. which is a very different. And, and if you're going to work for them and make money, unless you were an executive at the top. Um, is different because what YouTube does and what Facebook does, these they provide platforms for people to make money on their own enterprises. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a harder or more complicated argument where like there are so many extremely wealthy people mm-hmm. that would not exist if it weren't for YouTube, um, and they're pursuing something that isn't actually YouTube. Right. right. YouTube might be squashing like what are their competitors like Vimeo mm-hmm. or like like I remember like break.com. I don't remember if that exists mm-hmm. anymore, um, which I guess. But I have a lot less sympathy for them because they're just providing a platform to like post a video. Right. Um, so I'm probably less convinced by that. I think Google is a lot scarier. Um, Google is a lot scarier because they're collecting data on absolutely everything, mm-hmm. um, and they permeate so much of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that Facebook isn't doing that, um, but and sorry, Google and YouTube are the same. But I'm thinking of like the the business of YouTube versus like the business of, of or sorry business of YouTube the business of Facebook as opposed to what Google's doing in general right. which is also different than what Amazon or Apple are doing um Google's just generally scary um in the fact that they just permeate so much of our lives which I'm not sure is a monopoly issue as much as it is just a 
generally like Big Brother kind of scenario, which I don't think is really a monopoly type thing. I mean, I so it's funny because I do app development and mm-hmm. um, and my Apple ID is a Yahoo email, which <laughs> like nobody creates anymore, right? Right. Um, but at least it's not my mother-in-law who is like Earthlink or something, which is you know, uh, <laughs> Compu- <laughs> CompuServe. AOL. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Netscape, but um, so I was. Uh, releasing an app for one of my clients and I said mm-hmm. like oh send me your Apple ID and it was a at Yahoo address she's like oh please forgive me like it's a Yahoo address it's like kind of a big joke um, <laughs> but they don't have they like I'm sure you have a Yahoo address maybe you don't use it anymore but I'm sure you have one um, I don't think they have like a monopoly on those kinds of things but then Amazon is different because they create a marketplace and so what right. you were talking about in terms of third parties and then they use their third parties to then push them out um, right. which I think is a totally different thing because what YouTube does is when you, when you get on YouTube, the first thing they're pushing to you is go live. Yeah. Post your content. Same thing with Facebook. Right. Um, well, because they want well, more people well, to keep they, posting shit. Well, cause they generate, well, they want people to post more stuff because they generate a lot, all of probably all of their money from advertising, which is a different yeah. kind of economy than what, than what, um, then what, uh, so if Amazon, Amazon is doing, yeah. but if you, if it was discovered that YouTube say, um, so would you, let me ask you this question. If YouTube used, I don't know if this is a great comparison. It might not be, but if YouTube was using seller data or third party data from the people that post on YouTube to, um, decide what like to, to what youtube network was gonna do or or yeah what youtube network was gonna do or to like decide which advertisers to sell to and which not you know what i mean mm-hmm. um or not sell to but buy uh, uh yeah yeah guess sell, sell to right because they're they're buying advertising space yeah like if if um because if 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 youtube was in discriminating on certain advertisers because they felt like um uh, you know, well, we have data. Well, I think, I think, you I think it looks like this. You get what I'm trying to say? I think it actually, yeah, oh, I think it looks like this. It's like, hey, Asan the DJ is getting a lot of hits, and so we're going to create Asan the DJ, uh-huh. and he's going to produce the same amount of content because we know that this is popular, right? We're getting the clicks. Right. Um, so we can squash him and then control that part of the market, which is basically what Amazon is doing. Right. Which is, it which is totally unethical. Is bad, right? Yeah. Um, I guess what that does is it, uh, it cannibalizes, um, industries. I'm not sure. Like I do, I do think that Facebook and social networks in general are responsible for creating this whole new industry where people have made money. Totally. Um, and Amazon, I don't know. I don't know if Amazon's done the same thing. I would say, so my first like entrepreneurial pursuit, uh, well, not my first, but uh, I guess the first one where I was profitable. I had, In college, I had a business called My eBay Pro. And all I did was post stuff for businesses on eBay or on Amazon. And Amazon used to work a lot more like eBay um, in terms of just random people selling things. Mm-hmm. And that's just buried now and almost doesn't exist. And Amaz- mm-hmm. Amazon used to be a lot smaller than eBay, mm-hmm. um, which is also kind of fascinating. Um, but I, I mentioned this because eBay facilitates that to this day, mm-hmm. whereas Amazon doesn't. Right. Um, but, but at the same time, so, so going back, I think, I think in terms of the damage done to American society, I think Amazon's damage to American society is a lot less than social networks. Uh, it depends on what which your is met- not a monopoly depends, question. It depends it's on not what, a monopoly question. It depends but. on what your metric is as well. Yeah, I think in terms of like an ideology and like social cohesion. Yeah, yeah. I, then I I would agree with you there. I think there are things. Uh, I think there are aspects of America of the American economy that I think uh, Amazon is contributing to negatively, if that's a way I can say, it, or not contributing yeah. to, or or um, regressing in some ways. Because um, what they're definitely doing is squashing. Um, they're they're making their best effort to squash competition, which is like the opposite yeah. of what you want. In a, in a mm-hmm. thriving economy, 
Um, and, and so I think which, that, which is the social network aspect is different where it says like, come join us. Right. Right. Social network is not a, it's not necessarily, there's not an inherent, um, commodity to it. Um, they've created, mm-hmm. they've created some like with data, data sharing and stuff like that, but there's not an inherent, inherent, like direct effect on the economy or anything. It's more of like a, a, a social thing. Uh, I get, I get yeah. what you're saying though. I get where you're going with that. Yep. Um, so then, so in terms of the monopolizing thing, I, I have a hard time. I think maybe, maybe this is the, I don't know enough about it, but maybe this is the only legislation they can like wager at these people. And then they clump them all together. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've seen the interviews, man, this is like a year ago where they're all before Congress, or, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's before Congress. And the questions are random grandma like so if i'm on my email and i have a facebook do you know who i am or so like the questions from congress are just so ridiculous Mm -hmm. like it's like they've never turned on a computer um and so i'm i i'm speculating here but maybe maybe they're just like hey you tech guys have caused problem in our society and we're gonna say you're monopoly and throw you all in one basket Mm -hmm. facebook has its problems i don't think they're monopoly problems Google has its problems. I don't think they're monopoly problems. Amazon might have monopoly problems. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we're there yet, but I will say that for guys, um, this is a, obviously a stereotype, but for guys, Amazon might have a monopoly on us more than girls mm-hmm. because, you know, your girlfriend, I, I, and this, I'm, I don't know her at all, but I'm sure she shops on way more different websites than you do. Because when it mm. comes to like girls merchandising, there's always something new and interesting that is not an Amazon thing. You and I are like, hey, I wear a large t-shirt, click, mm-hmm. and you buy these same exact things. Um, and I'll get skewered for that and I don't care. But <laughs> but I'm looking at it from a like the way a big tech company is going to look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say... Amazon maybe isn't a monopoly, but I think they're actually the ones that make sense in terms of making this charge. I don't hmm. see it from from Google or Facebook as being like, "Hey, you're monopolizing something." So I, I'll give you a little Pu- monopolizing I'll, public opinion. Like, what are they monopolizing? I don't know. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of pushback there because I feel like yeah. with where the economy is seems to be headed, given the current pandemic i do think we need to be paying a little bit closer attention to these social platforms in terms of monopoly because uh, a large sector of the economy is now going to shift to these social platforms in order to main to maintain their existence and i don't think that right. it's in our best interest to have all of you know the, you know a large it's like sec- the fact that zoom has existed forever and apparently it just became a thing yeah as if like Skype didn't exist. Yeah. I'm actually like I like emoji Skype. Like that right. really pisses me off. Like I feel bad. So if an entire sector of let's say concerts and music and live music gatherings never come back, or they don't come back within the next five years, an entire industry of entertainment. I mean, I can't go to Coachella and you know. <laughs> well, well, think about throw it. Out. Think about it. If an entire sector, say comedy shows, never come back, so all yeah. of these things now have to be enjoyed virtually. Imagine a world where um for the next five ten years the only you know the the entire industry of live performance goes to social media platforms um and it's gonna it's gonna go to facebook it's gonna go to either facebook if we're only taking companies that exist now it's gonna go to facebook youtube or instagram or some subsidiary of one of those platforms and if and if all, all three of those companies have you know one one or two or maybe a small group of people at the top if that handful of people decided to say, you know what, um, we're not going to allow music on our platforms anymore because that's not what we, we well, that's not what we do here, or we don't want stand up comedy on our platform because that's not what we do here. Now, an entire sector of the economy is subject to the whims of a small group of people who can say, you yeah. know what. Our company here at Facebook, we don't really endorse uh, edgy comedy. So unless your comedy is free from all swearing, you're not allowed to be on our platform. And they can do that, which is I think that is the fear uh, of a monopoly for a social platform is sure it's just affecting social fabric 
right now, like the social fabric of the country right now. Which isn't a product. And I guess maybe I'm looking at it from, and this is why I get in trouble with so many of my friends, but (laughs) uh, because they don't, they don't understand like this, this very precise angle where like, do I think Facebook is bad? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Do I think most of these things are bad? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about it more from like, like I'm, uh, and I don't, I'm not even a government expert. I would say I'm more well-versed than a lot of people, but I'm by no means an expert. And that's why I keep saying I'm speculating, but I just don't know how it's a monopoly. Mm -hmm. Like what is, what is the product that they're cannibalizing or what is the, there it's a social thing and that's bad. And maybe we should maybe we should police that. Well, they have a they else. have a monopoly. I think the thing that they're commodifying on democracy. I, th- I think the thing that they're commodifying is that the word commodifying commod making it to a commodity. Uh, is- that's that's not the word. But because you said <laughs> that, I can't think of the word. You know how that works? Yeah, commodi- commoditizing. Commoditizing. Commod. Oh my commodifying? god, this is embarrassing. I don't. I don't know. The thing that they're buying and selling, the thing that they're making a commodity. Yeah, the thing that they're making a commodity or turning into a commodity is people's attention, and that in an age, especially uh-huh. in an age where um, a large sector of our economy is now going to have to be virtual, um, I think that is a it's becoming a hot commodity. And so, for for instance, if I'm a DJ, right, mm. and I am. Uh, if I'm a DJ, man, I was gonna have a big 30th birthday party this year, yeah. and I was thinking like I need to sign the DJ, oh, you know, man. just you know playing bangers and you know just just getting <laughs> it going. But obviously that didn't happen. Right. My wife, my wife and I just kind of hung out, and she said happy birthday, right? Which you know wasn't gonna work that. So you know, well, but. <laughs> right? So if I'm a, if I'm a if no, let's say, let's not even take DJ. Let's say I'm a stand-up comedian. So the 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 federal government or the government of California or whatever says you cannot have gatherings over ten people for the next mm-hmm. ten years or whatever because we can't figure out this thing, this virus or whatever. So in so as a stand-up comedian, that's how I make money. Um, I go to uh, Facebook to try to monetize virtual stand-up comedy, right? Um, Facebook, and you start saying some racist ass or, shit, or I just yeah, whatever. I say something, whatever, something crazy. No, I don't want to say racist because there's uh, there's uh, a law supply and demand with like no one's gonna want to listen to racist comedy. But if I'm just a perfectly fine comedian, but Facebook decides they don't want stand-up comedy used on their platform, that's not what they want to do, right? Mm. Now I have to. Uh, either find another platform that will allow that or create my own platform that will allow me to do that. And if Facebook owns the market share on people's virtual attention, nothing I do outside of that Facebook web of attention, it, it, nothing I, there's nothing I can do that would survive in the face of that because not enough people are going to see it. Not enough advertisers are going to know that it's there because it's not on a big platform like Facebook. And so nothing can compete with Facebook in that regard. So I do think that there is a, mono- a monopoly that Facebook is is starting to, uh, may, may have already have a monopoly on, but it's in people's attention because I would love for someone so, to try so you- are you ready s- for the cryptocurrency solution? <laughs> sure. Because crypto solves everything. All right, so let's there's see. a uh, there's a uh, token called Basic Attention Token. Token. I said token. It's okay. like a mashup between token and Tolkien. Token. Anyway, <laughs> um, Basic Attention Token Bat, um, mm-hmm. which I have plenty of criticisms for because it's not decentralized enough. Uh, it is a uh, it is a company. It is an organization and Basically, what they do is they tokenize or monetize people's attention. Um, And so um, all of you who are listening should go and download Brave Browser, which is a Chrome and and the basic attention token team should be paying me for this shout out. But anyway, um, it's a Chrome. What do they call it? It's like a Chrome child. I don't know. It's based off of Chrome, but Uh um, it's called Brave Browser. And basically the way it works is it's like hardcore ad blocking, right? So they block everything Mm -hmm. um, and they only serve up ads uh, to, well, um, they only serve up ads that are specifically approved through Brave and then are monetized based on people's attention. Um, And so it's a totally democratized uh, scenario in the fact that um, the way that ads are served up to you are based on the things that you want them, like, or based on the ads that you show interest in or show attention to. 
So instead of um, a scenario where Facebook controls the content, the user controls the content based on the things that they they click. And so if they're like, so Asan, you want to, you know, publicize some of your tracks, you're going to release some, some, uh, some dubstep, which is probably pretty dated at this point, but you know, <laughs> some, some 2010, like that sick excision kind of dubstep. Um, and you're going to release it. And if people click on it, um, it's going to rise to the top and it's going to be served to those people as opposed to some sort of political agenda. The blockchain is governizing it in terms of the fact that what you put in is also what you get out as opposed to somebody funneling it for you. And but so that doesn't, the, the currency that's created mm-hmm. is based off of what's actually happening the, instead of people making decisions. But the I think the the inherent flaw in that system and it seems kind of obvious, maybe maybe I'm missing something, but the problem is that doesn't incentivize um, generating new interest in new things. That incentivizes doing stuff that's already popular, which is, uh, so, which so is the problem you, that we have. Yeah, so they send you random things. Uh, so let's say, so when you start off, so you're going to download da- Brave Browser after this. Oh, you also get rewarded with Brave tokens um, that advertisers give you, uh, or BAT tokens. And I can see the look on your How face that, that you're done with the crypto aspect. No, 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 no. Um, I'm just trying to process well, because it. What they pay, well, because what they pay, uh-huh. so I pay... I pay $100 to get my ad put out there, right? Uh-huh. And the way that it actually works is that instead of, so I pay Google $100 for my ad to be put, be put out there, and it's based off of number of clicks. Instead of that value being given to Google based on me clicking to it, it's going to the user. I'm rewarding you for clicking on my ad, right? Because you're the person that I'm actually selling to, not Google. I, I understand I understand that, but what is Brave's incentive for putting stuff out that no one is going to click on? Like it, there's right, no Right, so they, yeah, that's a different so yeah. Well, well the the first point I was just trying to make is the fact that you get paid to click on ads because you clicked on them because I'm an advertiser. Um and so when you when you first download Brave Browser, it's gonna feed you all kinds of random stuff. Okay. And then as you start clicking on things, it's going to feed you into the things that you like. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to say one out of 10 mm-hmm. is shuffle, mm-hmm. right? So you release something that's new mm-hmm. and you know it, it hits that one out of 10. But when you download it, you're going to get diaper ads. You're going to get crypto ads. You're mm-hmm. going to get all kinds of random things. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows up as like, if you have a Mac, you get those like, uh, and I got one right now that says updates not installed. Um, <laughs> but you get that, that thing that, you know, notification bar at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to say, um, dollar shave club. Right. Right. And you don't have to click on it. That's the cool thing is it's not, it's not showing you ads. Mm. It's just showing you this notification. And I always click on them because I'm just trying to get more bat, which is like ruining their whole model. But, <laughs> but the normal person is only going right. to click on the things that are interesting to them, uh, which I also do too. Like things that are interesting that show up. Um, I'll click on more often. I hear that. Well, so I think that takes us to, um, and, and let's just, I mean, we'll just keep going. Don't worry about the time. I mean, unless you have something to do i can always split these into two episodes which is likely what i'll do when we hit two hours but let's keep going yeah um so that brings me to i think the the apple discussion about the apple the app the app store yeah and i actually am not i i actually think now that i'm thinking about it it might be the most fair way to do it or at least the most democratic way to do it is just charge everyone a flat percentage of you know whatever and and it's the because the reason I like that is that every no matter how big the company is the, the the developer is or how small the developer is my my if I develop an app and put it in the app store it's right there next to if I have an audiobook app it's right there in the store next to Audible you know what I mean there's mm-hmm. no like oh Audible is a giant company so like you know well, well it does show up higher in the results like if you if you search cryptocurrency mm-hmm. uh, my app is going to be at the bottom right. But but that's not anybody's problem, right? Which I think is a different 
like I can get to the top. I just got to advertise elsewhere. Right. Um, see, I, I, man, I think that I think that there needs to be a solution. I think if there's any kind of problem with Apple's model, I think that is the solution. Like, I don't think that if I have an audiobook app, I don't think that Audible should be. It may just be a layout question because I don't know if Audible should be the first thing I see just because they're like, um, or if it because do you know what makes like the bigger apps appear higher on the list is it because most people they're just more popular they're more popular yeah. okay if, yeah. if it's based on popularity see i don't even know if that if that should be the case then like maybe it should just be like maybe it should, so i'll give you I'll maybe give it should you, just be uh, randomly generated i'll give you generated. my example what if it's random i'll give you what if it's randomly okay. generated what if every time you refresh well the, then you just sort you sort like you do on amazon right you sort by like the highest rating or so there are multiple different things but on see, Amazon. I, it's like i like that though it's like recommended right yeah 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 i that but you can't currently do that you just get the top hits right and I to guess. me that's unfair if everyone's paying an equal amount to have their app okay. on that platform does that make sense okay yeah yeah if you're if you're at the bottom of the list yeah i yeah so that's it. That's interesting. But I guess everybody starts at the bottom uh, inherently, right? When you release an app, unless you um, have a giant amount of capital beforehand right. to generate interest, you know. What you're doing, what you're doing, you know, extracurricular. So, so the um, the app I released in February in, on like February twentieth, which was just perfect timing because it was three weeks before you know the whole world whole world shut down mm-hmm. um and then i started getting worried about my money and not <laughs> wanting to spend money on something that i wanted to do mm-hmm. uh it's crypt firm it tracks uh bitcoin transactions and tether transactions um it's uh it's a fairly niche I mean, it, you have to understand the way that crypto works for it to matter to you. But anyway, so I released it, and I got like a thousand downloads within the first three days, mm-hmm. uh, which is a a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason that I got a thousand downloads within the first three days is because it got picked up by like spam sites. Mm-hmm. So there are websites where people are just looking for clicks, where they just pick up new app releases. Mm-hmm. And just like feature them on the website. And so I was like one of the featured apps on these websites. Mm-hmm. And I stopped making or getting downloads after that dissipated. But the point is, um, the way that you get more downloads if you're at the bottom of the list is outside of Apple. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess what I'm saying is I'm sympathizing with your point in the fact that yeah. the 30% that I'm paying is only the fact that it's available to Apple users as opposed to them doing anything for me. Mm-hmm. Nobody would download my app if I didn't advertise elsewhere because I'm at the bottom of any search results. Right. Uh, which which makes sense, but they are providing a service, but 30% is is really extreme. Yeah. Maybe maybe if you're at the but but at the same time I don't like the idea of charging people at the top more money no, I just say charge because every, you're successful i just i ultimately i think honestly like you charge everybody less and then totally randomize how they appear on the uh on the on the uh the search unless somebody searches specifically for something um, yeah i mean think think about what 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 did facebook look like when you first got a facebook account i don't even remember <laughs> it looked the same yeah like they keep doing these like redesigns and it's like this still looks exactly the same as it looked in 2008 um and uh i only say that because they're always going to be at the top of the results for any kind of social network right and it's totally uninteresting Mm -hmm. um and there are are random people that have way better ideas for social networks that are at the bottom um and and maybe that's a way to do it i think that's pretty interesting so idea oh well thank you um, so I wanted to ask you about what, so what do you think is, um, the future of sort of the economy, the larger economy right now, the way things are looking? Dude, I'm scared. I'm so scared. Yeah. I'm full of fear. And I, so it's so funny because 
you know, I tried to reschedule the call because of my buddy, but he, um, so he came over and we were talking Mm -hmm. for a couple hours before this. And, um, he like, this was the topic of conversation. Um, I'm weird because I'm so liberal in a lot of ways. Um, but I have this paranoid libertarian side of me in the fact that I don't, I think it's just survivalism. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm afraid of everything in, Mm -hmm. in terms of like, but I'm afraid of everything, not in terms of I'm not going to interact with it. Mm-hmm. It's that I'm always going to prepare for the worst. You're cautious. Yeah. I'm, well, I just, I'm, I'm going to build, you know, I'm going to build the biggest tent because, you know, I might need it kind of thing. Are you, a, um, are you like a doomsday prepper? Do you have like a, like a, bu- no, like a no. bug out bunker uh, somewhere? No, I think that's ridiculous because if, what, why is life worth living if you're going to have to be in a bunker? Right. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't go to that degree at all, but, gotcha. um, but in terms of like, you know, how much money you got in the bank, mm-hmm. uh, I'm socking things away all the time because I don't want, like, I don't want, I don't want to spend any money. Um, because there is so, I, I think it's crazy that, um, well, the NASDAQ, hit an all-time high a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, which is just absolutely obscene. The only reason that it's not crazy is because it's a lot of tech companies mm-hmm. and tech is also booming a bit. Uh, but at the same time, and a bit's probably an understatement, but <laughs> at the same time, nobody's spending any money. Um, so you have to have people advertising on your platform to make money. So, mm-hmm. you know, that flows like that. And then the Dow is only down like 10% or something from like February and it's higher than it was a year and a half ago. Um, I think everybody's like, I, what I said to my buddy was, I said, what is everybody smoking? Like <laughs> what, what is, what, what, what do they think is happening? Like the how the ho- housing prices have gone up since COVID. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think we're, we're heading towards a massive crash collapse um i'm not remotely optimistic like there's uh, the the whole thing that's happening right now is fear mm-hmm. and maybe i'm the most fear i have the most fear but it comes from the fact that i'm married and i have a kid and that's the part where i guess um i'm sympathetic with conservative people mm-hmm. in the fact that um i got other people to answer to that aren't me um right but i i don't think that's why you can't go full libertarian Absolutely. Uh, but, but at the same time, why I sympathize with them? Because I, I'm kind of protectionist of my own situation and I don't want somebody else to dictate my situation, but I'm not, I'm not optimistic of like, I think, I think, I think we're headed for a really big collapse. And yeah. the, the billion dollar question is what will Bitcoin do? Um, because it's supposed to be what, a hedge against these things. What specifically, if any, what specific um, sector or aspect of the economy do you think is especially on the brink of some kind of collapse? It was the, uh, it was housing in two thousand eight. You know what I mean? It was yeah. uh, it was auto. You know, way back when or whatever. What do, what do you think is like the 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 next the the sector that you're particularly worried about? Well, I think fear uh, is going to manifest it. So so the one uh, point that my buddy raised that I think is important. Mm-hmm. In general, regardless about economic collapses, but important for like our own ethical sort of social considerations is the fact that people like me, um, mm-hmm. like white collar workers, are not impacted by COVID at all right. um, because I get to work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the thing that he said was, you know, the people that are buying houses, the people that are investing in stocks, right. the people that are spending the most money in general are the ones that aren't actually affected by what's going on. Right. Um, which I think is somewhat true, except somebody's got to buy Cheetos, right? Mm-hmm. So you might be you might be an executive, but um, then I'm sure uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos with lime are like my favorite. <laughs> but anyway, the number one consumers of Flaming Hot Cheetos with lime are not rich people. Yeah. Um, and so, in order for the executive at Frito Lay to get paid, somebody's got to buy those flaming hot cheetos. So I right. think there's some something there. Um, but I think it's going to start when, when, when the government decides they're done printing money, mm-hmm. which is what's currently happening. They're just making 
they're just literally making money up and it makes people feel good about themselves. You know, they're, sorry, they're going to get their $2,400 or $1,200 or whatever. Um, and well, I mean, like it, it, fear is going to, fear is going to find its way into the economy. And once the fear starts, all of it collapses. So I, I'm, I'm not sure it starts. I'm not sure. Sh- I haven't answered your question. The fact that like, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure where it starts, but housing is a pretty scary scenario because housing uh, in Southern California, housing prices are just so absurd and people cannot afford the houses they bought. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a lot was fixed after 2008, yeah. but anyway, um, yeah. So I think the, the deeper and deeper we get into this, um, pandemic and the, the shutdown of same, I think, um, hmm, I think some kind of, um, uh, universal basic income or, uh, or some kind of non-traditional, uh, federally based income system is, is becoming more and more obvious, uh, a solution, uh, at least for while we're, uh, in this shutdown. Well, yeah. Pandemic. We're doing these like direct deposits and, you know, I, I told you, you know, we talked about this before, but I just come at it from the complete direct different direction mm-hmm. where like I've worked in the tax credit industry for five or six years and Mm -hmm. there is so much red tape so many unnecessary things that are going on Mm -hmm. where like hey so the republicans are okay with giving a three thousand dollar tax credit to businesses because that three thousand dollar tax credit is also going to allow people to get hired Mm -hmm. right we have to pay a bunch of people to implement this Mm -hmm. and it's crazy that we have to pay a bunch of people and by the time it actually gets to some random person who has a job Mm -hmm. they're actually only getting 500 dollars in their pocket right great job the better solution is to go ahead and just deposit 1200 dollars in people's bank accounts and get rid of all the welfare stuff because Mm -hmm. it's so ridiculously inefficient if you want to make more money you're going to go make more money and instead of incentivizing people to be poor which which makes me sound like a conservative but it's actually the opposite where i think absolutely mm-hmm. that the threshold is like you make too much money we're going to stop paying you the solution is get rid of all these people that are collecting papers to make sure you're not making enough money mm-hmm. that's their job yep. and then just pay everybody yeah <laughs> just it, pay everybody. it is uh, uh i think the pand this pandemic if it's shown us one thing is that people don't for the most part most americans don't want to sit at home and feel useless whether or not they have money in their pocket or not i'm losing my mind i don't know about you but (laughs) like i I haven't missed a meal once but i'm going insane you know what i mean like and i think that's i think that's like the biggest revelation it's not news to me because i've kind of been on this way for a while but like the biggest revelation of this uh of this pandemic is that people want to feel useful they want to do something with their lives regardless of what they have if they have money in their pocket or not and i think that's what like ubi is great and i think ubi is honestly the way of the future but i don't think you can implement ubi without changing social incentives and and really working hard to incentivize people to to go and i don't think you have to work that hard to do it because as you're seeing now as soon as people's opportunities to feel useful and to feel you know fulfilled and stuff are taken away then it's like it's very obvious that people want those things you know um I, I think UBI is, especially if long term, if we if we're having to deal with the effects of COVID nineteen and there's no real vaccine or cure discovered or created uh, soon, I mean it's going to be the answer for school. It, uh, it's going to have to be because if we can't send our kids to school, the only other option is to homeschool kids based on some kind of curriculum that they get from schools or whatever. But you're going to have to supplement income that parents are not going to be able to make because now they have to stay home and teach their kids. It's just that's just right. the reality of it. And we're just going to have to reprioritize tax money and uh, reprioritize federal spending to put more money in the pockets of the American people because that's the only that's I, that's the only way I see this moving forward, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Yeah. Um, I think there's a uh, a weird kind of uh, well, I'll just I'll just I'll just bring this up because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a, a side conversation, but it's totally related to what's going on. I, I the big the big elephant in the room is the fact that we're printing money, mm-hmm. um, that we don't have. 
Uh, and my biggest critique of Trump, and this is this is where I sound conservative, but I guess I just am conservative. It's just the <laughs> fact that it's not. It's just the fact that it's not the Republican line right now, right. and it's not what Trump's doing right now. And so I'm against them 100. Mm-hmm. percent uh, But but it is a conservative viewpoint in the fact that the economy was great under Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he cut the he cut the deficit every year after like 2010, mm-hmm. after we were in a giant hole, and you need to spend money to get out of that. Right. And guess what? He ran up the debt. Um, yeah. And then Trump got elected on the fact that like the economy was bad, which is just like absurd <laughs> and a lie and just so completely untrue. It is just ridiculous because yeah. whatever. Um, so then he gets elected and then decides he needs to pump the economy. We got to pump the stock market. You know, Americans, you know, we're sick of being under, you know, this black Democrat mm-hmm. who, you know, is just ruining our country or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've suffered so much. And so he doubles down, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we spent way too much money under Obama, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we like needed to spend money. And we right. got ourselves out of a hole, mm-hmm. and we were on this upward trajectory. Yep. And then he doubled down, ran up the debt, and if there's any job that any, or the, if there's any lesson you learn from any contractor, is that when times are good, you save. Yeah. Right. Because you only make money when times are good. Um, right. And when times were good, we should have been saving. Mm-hmm. And nobody could have predicted COVID. Right. But something is going to happen. Bad times will happen, even if you can't see them. Yeah. Um, so then we doubled down and, you know, the amount of debt we are in now, mm-hmm. what, what did we, what did we add to the national debt? I think like not, well, if this, if this next thing gets passed, I'm going to say it's like seven or $8 trillion or something just absurd mm-hmm. money that we printed out of thin air. Um, and so that's, that would be my biggest knock about this entire experiment can I, can I is that you, it's not a very good experiment can I ask you a question? because it's not real money. A- yeah. As a dumb guy. What are the actual ramifications of increasing the national debt? Yeah, so this is like really hardcore, fascinating stuff. Um, so you need to read about uh, the Federal Reserve. Um, mm-hmm. So my buddy, um, one of my South African buddies sent me this book. It's called like The Monster of Jekyll Island or something, which is where all the like big bankers and and people are gonna listen to this and be like, Oh, it's some kind of conspiracy theorist, but I'm not. I'm just I'm I'm just giving you as an example of as like a primer on how these things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, even even if it is a conspiracy theory. Um so uh, what's really fascinating about what's going on right now is that so basically Congress passes bills um where they request money from the Fed. And the Fed is a like pseudo private public entity, um, where basically sounds problematic. JP Morgan, <laughs> yeah, JP Morgan, whatever. All these, all these like big bankers got together in like I guess it was the 1920s. You have to look it back up. Uh, Jekyll Island is off the coast of Georgia, where they got together, and this is like historical fact, not not conspiracy theory. They got together and decided to start. The Federal Reserve Bank is that where Ep- um, is that where Epstein's Island is? Just uh, checking off my uh, checklist. No, no, no. That's uh, Florida. But oh, okay, but gotcha. If you want to lump me in that conspiracy theory, that's fine. <laughs> Child molesters are bad. Um, so anyway, um, they basically the way it works is that Congress decides, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put this you know trillion dollar stimulus we're going to put money in every american's pocket Mm -hmm. and congress all votes on it and they decide hey we want a trillion dollars we're going to ask the federal reserve bank for a trillion dollars and the federal reserve bank they they brand it as being a government entity in the idea that it's like the fed but it's not it's a bunch of like private bankers that control this um and literally what they do Mm -hmm. is they go back and they print a bunch of money and they deliver it to Congress, and they say, Dis- distribute this to the American people. And then they write in their ledger, uh, you know, $1 trillion worth of debt. So, And this is written on like a, like a legal pad type situation? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the long paper. Like a yellow, and, uh, yellow legal pad. Yeah, gotcha. yellow. Um, it, you know, it's, it's college ruled. It's not wide ruled. It's kept because, in like a, you know, like a filing cabinet, just in like a... Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And it says like, okay, uh, American people owe us a trillion dollars because their job was to just print money. That's literally the function of the way it works. And this is how absurd it is. 
Um, and so we run up the debt so what is, uh, so by introducing new currency that doesn't already exist. So it's an inflation problem and we owe them money, right? So now your dollar is worth less because now there are more dollars in existence and we owe them dollars. But what, but it, okay, I get that. I get the theory of it, but like in practice, how does it affect you and me and our money? Like what is it, what effect is it going to have on my life? Um, well, so and now I'm just really going to be branded as like a white nationalist, but it's just a classic. <laughs> well, I'll just change the example. Um, well, I'll mention both because I don't care. Uh, so do you know anything about Zimbabwe or the Weimar Republic in Germany? Oh, of course. You're talking about the the Republic of... No, man, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, the Weimar, Repu- the Weimar Republic was the uh, democratic government that was set up after World War I okay. and before the rise of the Nazi Party in Germany. Um, and so after World War One, they owed, um, this was basically the blueprint for America realizing that you can't end wars with punishing the loser. Um, hmm. and we didn't actually ratify, um, the, uh, the resolution after World War One, but, but it was the same thing for all the allies. So we, we decided that Germany started the war and because they surrendered, it's their fault. So they owe us like a bajillion dollars, right? Some <laughs> ridiculous number. Yeah. Um, and they got to pay us. They got to pay us in Derm- German Deutschmarks. It's like, uh, it's like the Haiti and France situation, right? Kind of. Yeah. 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 Haiti owed money. Sick. Um, sick. But the, but the difference is that I actually don't know what the monetary situation was there. But but in Germany, uh, they couldn't afford to pay their bills, uh, and so they just started printing money. Mm-hmm. And basically, what the result was was that they uh, hyperinflation and their money was so worthless that you might as well burn it because the the energy created by burning paper, you know, Deutschmarks, uh, was worth more than um, the currency itself. Like you want to go buy a loaf of bread cost a trillion dollars um in in zimbabwe they literally had like 300 trillion dollar notes like people people were losing everything um they were using 300 trillion dollar notes to like go buy a gallon of milk um and so that's what's being introduced in the economy now in terms of the fact that we're just we're inflating our own currency but the but the counter argument i heard recently that is really interesting hmm is the fact that the American government is so trustworthy on the world stage and so That's exactly what I was going to say. after and the fact that the covid situation is going to impact economically the third world way worse. Yes. Yes. That even if we just start printing money, the dollar is still going to be more valuable. Absolutely. Uh, which is crazy. I, so I am very like I basically agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly and and you know for everyone out there i am a dj and a comedian and i am not uh, uh an economist but I, yeah you are <laughs> we're all economists we get to vote right that's true um my so like my whole philosophy about the dollar and this is why when people are like but it'll increase the debt i'm like who cares one is because like we, too big to fail is what you're saying. Not, no, not too big to fail. I'm uh, too. It's not too big because I think you know we're uh, you know we don't. I don't think America has to be the big quote unquote biggest economy in the world to make a difference. I think uh, the the idea of America and participating in that idea is so important to the world that that is where the majority of the value of the dollar comes from it has very little mm-hmm. to do with like what america actually sells in terms of exports or like what our current economic situation is for our citizens or like how much uh, how many dollars are floating in the american economy at any point in time i think the uh, american experiment or the 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 idea of america and participating in that is so important to the rest of the world i'm not saying that i'm it should be or like not advocating you know one way or another i'm just saying i'm just recognizing the observation it's so important to the rest of the world that the value of the value that is associated with the dollar i think has long since been go- detached and uncoupled from our actual economic state and is much more tied into the value that the rest of the world sees america as having as just this ideal um mm-hmm. and so i don't think we're ever going to be i don't we could owe china a hundred trillion dollars i don't think it will ever make a difference as long as we're still viewed as america by the rest of the world like even though mm-hmm. we owe Ch- china trillions and like but what happens when we lose that i don't 
I see, and, and, and this is this is probably the best argument for removing Trump that has ever existed. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> it, it is main because I think if there's any threat to that uh, that sort of status quo of that, I think is is a president like Donald Trump. I think uh-huh. someone who the world laughs at and sees not just laughs at as as an individual, but sees his very existence in the office of president undermining what that American sort of thing but is. You just can't even take it seriously, right? Like. Right. I think that he, I think th- that is the most compelling argument for removing Trump. Period. But yeah. I, I, but see, I'm I believe so strongly in the way the rest of the world sees America. Like I look at America, or like I I interpret the way America or the way the world looks at America the same way I feel about um, Southern California. I like <laughs> no, I'm no, I'm dead serious though. Like, but they're wrong about Southern California. May, they may be right wrong. about America, but like, <laughs> this is not paradise. No, it's unless <laughs> unless you got a ten million bucks, it's not paradise. No, it, it, um, nothing, um, nothing in the world that is constructed out of capitalism is going to be paradise. I don't think it, <laughs> that, and that, and that's just my, you know, that's my inner, you know, Marxist talking. But, um. I think Southern California. I'm reporting you, by the way. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, I think Southern. I'm, I'm not a Marxist. I don't know enough about Marxism to be a Marxist. Um, uh, Nobody can act. Nobody's actually read everything Marx wrote because it's way too many pages. Yeah, so no, I call yeah. BS on all those people. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Um, totally. Um, so, uh, saying you're a Marxist is kind of like saying you're a theoretical physicist. It's like. You have some ideas about physics, but can you call yourself a theorist? Like, can you call yourself uh, uh, an expert in a field that doesn't have an end to it? You know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's a, that's a, an academia joke for everyone out there. But I, yeah, I I feel like Southern California. Like I t- I annoy my friends with this all the time. Like for a modern cosmopolitan American person who enjoys. Uh, doing something for a living and like enjoys people and enjoys different kinds of foods and and enjoys temperate weather i can't think of a place within america that has more to offer than southern california does like yeah you just need so much money to like no that's true but i think really have it i think that's why southern california no matter how crazy left the leadership is no matter how much money it costs to live here Southern California will always be home to it will always be one of the most impacted uh, population wise places in America. I think it comes down to the weather and then just like the diversity of climates around us and diversity of terrains around us. Like the first X Games where they snowboarded and surfed and skateboarded in the same day. Yeah. Like that is like nobody's. And, you know, and that's the idea of California that I don't think will ever go away unless there's some huge, you know, catastrophic event that like puts most of it underwater, which could happen. But the closest place <laughs> I've ever been is Cape Town. But yeah, we can talk about that. No, later. totally. But I, I think that my, Southern California is like a microcosm of the way the rest of the world views the United States. Like the, uh-huh. the United States is it, it, like the, the value that it holds just as being this idea of this place that is so valuable to us as members of the world. I don't think our in- own internal economy could ever devalue our our dollar that much. Mm-hmm. At this point, there are points in history where it pro- where it obviously did. I don't think at this point, especially when we live in a world that uh, we live in a world now where most things that people need to survive, we have a surplus of because we've developed a scientific way. Unless unless Chinese culture becomes like in vogue. Maybe, Which I'm pretty skeptical but, of. But a lot of Chinese culture is knockoff American culture. Uh, right, right. So, so like, I don't think we're ever in, I don't think, I don't necessarily think we're in, uh, we're in fear of that. Um, we have to live in fear of that is, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. But that, that's my point is I think, I don't, I don't know if our own internal economy could, de- to, could degrade our dollar so much because mm-hmm. of the, the sort of intangible sort of, um, value that America has to the rest of the world. Yeah. I, I, so I think uh, I'm going to sound like a crazy California liberal when I say this, but I think Hollywood is probably the single most important industry in America uh, at this point in history. Um, I think and and when I say Hollywood, I think that includes music as well. Um, I just Mm -hmm. mean like the entertainment industry in general, like Mm -hmm. because Hollywood, everything that comes out of Hollywood and out of the music industry really sets the standard for 
culture throughout the rest of the world for the most part um you know anyone who has access yeah. to access to it let's just say that um but and i think that's the single thing at this point that really is keeping america valuable to the rest of the world because we don't really offer much else there's there's military security sure but the rest of the, there are plenty of parts of the world that are very skeptical of american military in a way that they're not skeptical of american arts and entertainment does that make sense mm-hmm. um i think the american military could you know could fall tomorrow and it would have less of an effect on the world than like American entertainment stopping and I know that sounds crazy mm-hmm. and idealistic but I, I I truly believe that I probably agree um so yeah that's my whole spiel about American uh exceptionalism when it comes to uh <laughs> entertainment and shit but yeah <laughs> that's probably the most hoorah American thing I've ever said by the way on this podcast well, good job thank you <laughs> all brought to you courtesy by the red white and blue <laughs> yeah um yeah, I think yeah. So that that's that's my thing. I don't. I, so so that being said, to get back to the the you know the economic conversation we're having, I I don't. I think increasing the national debt, quote unquote, is is a price worth paying if it is going to heal us as a country. Um, and and I think that that's probably a necessary step to take i don't think there's any way any way forward out of this pandemic that doesn't in drastically increase the national debt um and it's just a necessary thing that has to happen you know well i i would just say that it wasn't necessary we just needed to stop spending money when times were good but maybe now it's necessary right right i get that too totally um yeah yeah and i, I honestly like ubi i mean we're doing a form of ubi right now but like i yeah just do what we're doing now kind of like a form of that but just remove all the red tape like just send everybody a check and pull the money from where you need to pull it from and let's get um (laughs) give people the the peace of mind to be able to start new forms of income if that's what they have to do without having to worry about starving and it doesn't have to necessarily be i mean you could argue that if we just paused certain things you would have to give out less cash um if you just paused rent and mortgages for a year i think that's there's that's probably a you know close to a trillion dollars you would you know you would save yourself without having to print more money um but i think the trump administration would never do anything like that and i honestly i don't think a joe biden administration would ever do anything like that but the trump you know no republican president is going to tell a bunch of you know landowners and 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 landlords that hey you can't continue to fulfill your idea of the american dream for a year so that other people can do that <laughs> but you know yeah. what i mean uh i because i think landowning still has this like outdated sort of in sense of entitlement to it like well we couldn't possibly halt people from making the money off of the land they own you know what i mean yeah but you know i'm like man if we to just like w- this could have probably all been solved well, without the s- banks that are yeah the banks that are the issue which is you know bitcoin solves that problem but whatever <laughs> i think what solves the i see my my fear about bitcoin man and and we you can defend this but my fear about bitcoin is is basically the other side of the coin no pun intended of my fear about you know i i just in the same way people have fears about too much regulation when it comes to money and the economy i feel like too yeah. too little regulation could be just as detrimental especially especially right now where we're if if we could have adopted maybe bitcoin uh on a wide scale under an obama presidency when things were going well right now i don't trust i don't trust people left to their own devices with the the emotional and like the emotional state we're in as a country like the the incentives just aren't there for people to be ethical for people to be fair um it just doesn't and and for bitcoin to work like it has to be ethical and fair people have to act in in ways that are not detrimental to others and they're not purely self-serving and i just i can't see a world like that existing right now it's gotta be a uh it's gotta be a bitcoin part two podcast yeah Totally. And that's a whole that's a whole new can of worms. Yeah, no, we don't have to go there. But that, that was just my, my, my two cents on that. But I saw you writing some notes. Did you have some reactions? Uh no, I was actually just 
writing down what you said. I didn't. Okay. I actually didn't have a result because I was just thinking about the things you said. Cool. Um, so we were at about two and a half hours. I'm definitely going to uh, um, divide this up. Um, in closing the, comments? In two episodes. Yeah, if you, you have any closing comments or concerns or reactions or anything. Um, Bitcoin's pumping. Buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Let's solve our problems and, uh, and just move to a decentralized permissionless um, trustless system. That's my closing comment. And I hope everybody goes and acts on it. Do you believe in open borders? Um, well, that's a whole different, that's a whole, a whole other podcast. Uh, I don't, I've, I think that's like the most complicated issue of all time. Really? Yeah. That's a really, it's a really, but I feel like you can't have the libertarian dream without free travel between nations. Yeah. Cause if you really want a permissionless, you know, decentralized thing, you, you know, what, what, you know, what interest should it be of the government, whether and where, you know, where I am physically, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we'll touch that on another episode. Drew. I'll, I'll bite the bullet there for now. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, where can people find you on the internet if they need any of your services? Uh, betterbuild.io. Betterbuild.io. All right. You can find uh, me at Asan the DJ on social media. That's A H S O H N the DJ. Or at my website at Asan.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast and more comedy stuffs at weeklyregular.com. Thank you, uh, Bitcoin Drew, Philosophy Drew, Designer Drew, all of the Drews. Thank you so (laughs) much. Disney Drew. Thank you so much for doing the podcast, man. Uh, Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you on. All right, dude, that was fun. All right, we'll see you next week.